Hello and welcome to Berkshire Hathaway Travel Protection Connections, your monthly podcast dealing with everything travel and a little bit of stuff travel insurance. I'm Kit Kiefer. And I'm Lisa Bellowman. Thanks so much for joining us again. We have a really interesting guest today, one of our favorites, and yeah. we love him, Chris yeah. McGinnis. Yeah, we really like Chris. Chris uh, Chris McGinnis, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, shame on you, um, he is the author and creator and administrator and I guess just about everything of Travel Skills, uh, travelskills.com, which is one of the top travel blogs out there. Uh, and Chris is really what you would call a veteran travel journalist. He started out writing on travel for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Then he went on and became the travel correspondent for CNN. And now he does Travel Skills and the Travel Skills Chats, and he does a great job of it, and we're really thrilled to have him. There's no question that he can't answer with a, with a very thoughtful and thorough uh, answer. And we, we tried to throw him, but we couldn't. So yeah. <laughs> we'll listen to that in a little bit. Yeah, we, we actually tried to throw him a couple of curveballs. You know, normally we send our guests a list of questions that we're going to ask before before they actually appear. And we went a little bit off script and, you know, he just rolled with it. Well, he knows so much. And if you ever really want to sit down and just have a really great conversation about travel... <laughs> there you go, <laughs> which we've done with Chris, and it's been lovely. So we'll share that with you guys uh, in a few moments. Yeah, and hey, happy spring. It's finally here. Sort oh, of. By calendar, it's here. <laughs> yeah. it hasn't really, Mother Nature hasn't responded yet, but uh, she will shortly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the robins are back, and they're not pleased. And the spring break uh, kids are either home from school or in Florida or South Padre today, so... South Padre. Sounds good. (laughs) You know what else sounds good? Hmm. Cheese curds. Ugh. Yeah, don't get me started. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so... In the interest of not getting Lisa started, you know, let's, t- let's talk a little travel stuff. Um, this was an interesting thing that we were, we were talking about before we went on air, kind of as we were warming up the crowd. Um, there's a company called Wright Electric, which just uh, displayed at one of the top tech shows in Europe with, and get this, an electric battery-powered passenger jet. Except it's not a jet, passenger plane. And this is so interesting to me for so many reasons. So think about your battery-powered drones, right? And they'll, uh, I don't know if you've ever played with one, but we have one at home, and it lasts like a grand total of like three and a half minutes of flying time. It's not the most like efficient thing. So I'm thinking of putting people in bags in one of these and just sending it down 300 miles away. It's going to be really interesting how they can develop the technology of this idea. And let me ask you with that drone, when that drone runs out of power, does it switch to an auxiliary backup power source, or does it just crash ugly to the ground? <laughs> you, you said it. You you. You totally knocked it out of the park. It ugly crashes to the ground, <laughs> and sometimes parts fly off. <laughs> so is this something that you want for your passenger airplane? Is this something that, like, is on the checklist of must-haves for passenger airplanes is ugly crashes to the ground on that list? They would really have to sell me that their technology has uh, come a long way from that, and I'm sure it will uh, by that time uh, if this thing ever takes off commercially, but if you think about it, too, 300 miles is kind of... uh, they had, uh, that's kind of the range of hoppers right now, you know. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you really want to, like, go through all of the hassle of hopping on a plane 
to go, we'll say, like 150 miles. We could just drive for two and a half hours, and you get to be by yourself, and you get to listen to the radio and, you know, drink some coffee. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sold on the idea yet, but you could still work on it. Well, where it's really big, and, and obviously because they uh, showcase this at a European um tech and trade show is in Europe where distances are smaller and there are a lot of uh, flights that are that are up that you know 200 to 300 mile range you know think think mm-hmm. back to your time in Europe and you know some of the the, the uh, transportation where you normally take the train if, if you had a, a flight of that distance yeah you know it kind of makes some sense and and that that kind of explains why one of the companies that's that's really uh, kind of getting behind this is EasyJet mm-hmm. which is big over in in Europe especially in England I think it has some really interesting applications especially from an environmental standpoint if you could get the batteries recharged say with solar power um, and reuse them a lot you would save a lot of pollution I mean if you think about one let's just say one 300 mile flight for all those people think about all the pollution that you would be saving so i could get down with it in that regard well yeah and and the caveat to all this is that um right electric is planning on having these flights up within the next 10 years assuming Mm -hmm. battery technology continues to develop at the current rate if we don't get better batteries we're not going to have battery powered planes Shucky darn. <laughs> well, best of luck to them. I love I love the tenacity. <laughs> we'll check in with them later. <laughs> so what else do we have on the uh, on the docket here? Well, uh, one thing that we did touch uh, on with Chris and that you'll hear in a few moments is uh, just in the past couple of days, they've announced the new electronics ban from flights from certain airlines in the Middle East. And um, this struck us as extremely odd for many reasons <laughs> but yeah. I mean number one um, the thing the most important thing to take note of is if you are a consumer or a frequent flyer is if you put your electronics in your check luggage and they go missing or are lost or are damaged th- that's not going to be covered by your airline um, so that's a that flies in the face of everything we know as travel insurers what we always tell our yeah. customers is make sure you never put your electronics into your check luggage or any valuables for that reason um, it's it's very easy for your luggage to get lost it's very easy for people to go in and rifle through it and of course uh, we've all seen the videos of bags getting tossed willy-nilly um, uh, on and off the plane never do it um, but for for these folks who are flying these long-haul flights, they don't have a choice. So um, there's never been a better plug, I would say, in my time in travel insurance for purchasing it for customers as right now. Yeah, and, and again, it, it works on multiple levels. So uh, if this is truly a travel safety issue and we're not weighing in one side or the, or the other. You know, if, if this is truly a travel safety issue, you're, you're going to want travel insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if this is a situation where you have to check electronics through, you're going to want to have travel insurance. And with Berkshire Hathaway Travel Protection, one, one of the nice things about that is that you have two options, really. So you can do air care, which pays you a flat luggage benefit, and you don't need receipts, right? So if you've got your laptop, 
in your luggage and it gets smashed, you know, you get a nice flat fee that in, in most cases will help replace that laptop. Mm -hmm. um, or you can go with Exact Care, which has a more what we would call a traditional luggage benefit, which means you have to save the receipt mm -hmm. in order to get paid. So I guess the, the moral here is regardless of, you, of whether you buy travel insurance from us or somebody else, uh, if you're flying to the Middle East, number one, buy travel insurance. Number two, make sure you have receipts for all your electronics. Yeah, uh, and that goes for anything in your suitcase. Uh, quite frankly, people don't uh, understand till it's too late that with traditional plans, uh, you do need some proof of purchase in order to f make your claim. Uh, so whether that's a pair of jeans or a pair of shoes or a laptop computer, um, you're going to need some proof of how much you paid for that. And, of course, it will only cover you up to the level of coverage, which I believe with AirCare is $1,000. So if you take that $2,000 <laughs> camera and stick it in your luggage and it doesn't come back, um, that's not going to be fully covered. So as we say always, make sure you look at the language of your policy and read over um, your documents for details. Right. And... The good news for us, so, you know, we mentioned air care and we mentioned exact care. What we didn't mention, and, and we're going to kind of whet your appetite here, is that we have a whole new suite of products that are coming down the pike really, really, really soon. Yeah, uh, we did uh, notify some of our agents, so if you're a travel agent of ours listening, you might have already heard, but uh, coming May 1st, we're going to have some exciting new products that'll kind of combine the fun of getting paid instantly through VHTP verse directly into your bank account for certain claims uh, with the security and um, the higher level of coverage that you might need from a traditional insurance plan. So uh, we're very excited about it. We've been working on it for a long time and very uh, eager to get it out to everyone and have them try it out and see what they say they like. So next time uh, when we get together with BHTP Connections, we're going to have somebody talking about these new products who isn't named Lisa or <laughs> Who knows a little bit more about it and uh, is probably a little bit more interesting <laughs> to talk about insurance. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what kind of an interesting insurance people we can come right. up with for, for next time. But right now we have an interesting person who thankfully does not talk about insurance all the time, <laughs> and, and that's Chris McGinnis. And uh, we gave him a build-up in the open and we'll give him another build up that he is the guy from travelskills.com which is one of the very tip tip top travel insurance uh, not travel insurance travel blogs out there and uh, it's a blog that we we think everyone should read so um he's got some some really cool insights yeah let's just we'll turn it over to chris <laughs> all right take it away chris well here on BHTP Connections, we're thrilled to be joined once again by our good friend Chris McGinnis from the Travel Skills blog. How's it going, Chris? I'm great. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing wonderful here in, in almost springy central Wisconsin. We, we hear it, it's gorgeous out in San Francisco right now. Yeah, well, you know, we've suffered through a pretty rainy winter, but the payoff is big green mountains around the city that are usually brown and lots of flowers and plum trees and cherry trees. Uh, they're all out. So we're, we're in, enjoying spring right now. The birds are singing and the sun is out. Finally. <laughs> Very good. We're going to come visit you shortly, Chris. But getting into, uh, we have some really interesting questions. It seems like uh, the last couple of weeks has been a really uh, interesting and intense time for flight news and airline news. And of course, um, with all the uh, news about travel bans, and now we have electronics bans, we've got a lot of uh, good questions to get into for you. So first off, let's talk about that. What's new on the flight scene, and uh, what are some topics that our listeners might be interested in? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it has been a crazy busy winter and spring. Um, the good the good thing for me is it keeps a travel blogger very busy when there's all this stuff. Um, so, I mean, there's a ton going on. I mean, the, the, the most recent uh, is is what's going on with the uh, electronics ban, and I know that we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but that's a uh, that's a that's a really big story. It's definitely the biggest story uh, so far this month, and. To me, that's a move that is really going to hit business travelers more than anyone else right in the gut because business travelers depend on being productive on planes now. We've grown used to it with the ability to get online and, and uh, you know, get on our computers and get online. And without that, uh, especially on, you know, a, a 10 to 15-hour flight, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to upset the Apple card and, and a lot of people are going to change their travel patterns because of this. Well, and you've been a travel journalist for a long time. You've been covering this stuff at a very high level. Is it just our imagination, or is the pace of travel news accelerating? That's a good question. I would I would say that it's probably um, accelerating. Um, you know, I mean, in the when you're when you're a blogger and you're constantly checking out Twitter and Facebook and you know what's going on online. Uh, you know, the news cycle, it just, it, it changes about every 15 minutes. So it's, uh, you know, in that, in the, in the, in the old days when I was writing for the Atlanta Journal Constitution or, you know, doing well thought out pieces that were taped ahead of time for CNN that, you know, you had a few hours or even days to work on a particular story. Now when news breaks, you have to cover it in about 15 minutes and, uh, get it out there. Uh, without a lot of backup, a lot of help from editors, a lot of fact checkers and things like that. So it's it's gotten more difficult, but everybody wants to be first in the electronic age. Well, and you mentioned your blog, and, and Travel Skills, I understand, is celebrating its third anniversary. And folks, if you have not gone out to TravelSkills.com, what is wrong with you? <laughs> as soon as you're done listening to this, get out there right away. Make it part of your daily rotation. <laughs> That's right. So you, you had a really great post, one, one of uh, the most information-packed posts I've, se- I've seen in a long time from anyone, talking about some of the unique dynamics that a later Easter causes in terms of spring travel. Why don't you go into that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I, I talk a lot about when I talk about travel trends is, you know, how to time your trip and how timing and the calendar can really affect uh, travel pricing. So, um, you know, in that particular blog post, I was talking about the upcoming uh, spring break travel season. And what we have is uh, Easter on April 16th this year, which is relatively late. You know, Easter can, can run anywhere from about March 22nd until, uh, I think it's March 22nd until April 22nd or something like that, right in there. But anyway, uh, Easter is, is late this year compared to this time last year when it was on March 25th. Um, when you have an early Easter, you have a very compact season, meaning that, meaning that collegiate spring break season, which, take place, which takes place in March, is right in there with the family spring break season, which happens right around Easter. So last year, when, when Easter fell on March 25th, a very compact season, very high demand in a small window, which means a very expensive season. This year, it's the opposite. Uh, spring break uh, for, the, for the college kids is underway right now in March when we're talking, but Easter doesn't happen until 
uh, April 16th. So there's a nice wide uh, period for spring break, which means that there's not, uh, you know, a, a one week that where there's going to be, you know, extremely high demand and higher prices. So, um, you know, if you have flexibility to travel anytime from the 1st of March through really the end of April, um, you're going to find pretty good prices. The only time it's going to be expensive is going to be just that Easter weekend. So if you're like Lisa, who really needs to get away, I need a vacation, Chris. <laughs> how does she play? How does she play this the game this this uh, this yeah. year? Yeah, well, there there are two kind of windows of opportunity for really good deals uh, this year because of the of the kind of spread out uh, nature of the holiday. So if you're if you're looking for a great last minute deal, I would suggest looking in early April or late. Uh, April, so maybe that first week of April, pretty much, you know, all the college kids have gone home after the end of March. So early April is going to be uh, relatively inexpensive, and then the week after uh, Easter, after everyone's kind of done their travel, and uh, travel demand goes down, and that's true for just about any holiday. You know, if, if, I know that people are probably thinking about planning their summer vacations as well, and there's not a lot of really big deals during summer. But if you can travel that week right after Memorial Day or the week right after July the 4th or the week right after um, Labor Day, you're, you're more likely to find a deal than uh, you know, trying to travel the week of or straddling that, that long weekend. Well, I hope to take you up on that information. <laughs> we'll see. I'll get back to you, Chris. But um, and when we were in New York a few weeks back, we were talking about um, JetBlue Airlines and whether it's great service, we'll ever find a way into the Midwest. And you had a great answer for us that we talked about at length. Um, can you share with our listeners what your take is on that? Yeah, well, you know, it, it makes me think um, about about which, you know, there, there are three airlines in the U.S. that are, I would say, beloved or, you know, people really, really like. One is definitely JetBlue. The other one is Virgin America. And the other one is Alaska Airlines. For whatever reason, when you bring up those airlines, People smile, and they—they, they, I think that they truly kind of love that carrier, those carriers, um, and so that's sort of kind of where I see JetBlue possibly going. Uh, now that Alaska Airlines and Virgin America are one, um, that leaves JetBlue kind of hanging out there on its own. And so I, I when I try to think of the future, um, I eventually see JetBlue perhaps merging with. Alaska and and well, it's just Alaska Airlines now, and becoming more of a national carrier. And um, it even goes as far as Alaska Airlines taking on JetBlue's name, which has a very good reputation, and uh, and it's not regional like Alaska Airlines is. So we're going to find out soon what happens with uh, with the Virgin America brand. Alaska Airlines is supposed to come out later this month, so everyone's going to be very eager to see. Uh, you know, kind of how Alaska brings in a lot of the of the popular uh, components of the Virgin America experience, or whether it, it even keeps the name. We're gonna it, it's kind of remains to be seen, but I think that will tell a lot about you know what could possibly happen with the possibility of, of uh, Alaska and uh, JetBlue ultimately getting together. Uh, it doesn't sound good for us though, but. <laughs> But what sounds good for yeah, us? Well, so that, 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 I know you want JetBlue to come to the Midwest, but I mean, it, it, JetBlue has done very well by being a north, primarily a, a northeast carrier with its main hub 
in in New York and, and a heavy presence in Boston, and then doing long distance flights down to Florida, down into the Caribbean and now South America, and then across the country, uh, trans you know uh, transcontinental. Yeah, I know, I, and I also have fond memories of flying Midwest Express, which was kind of the jet blue of the Midwest back in the days. For any of our listeners who who can think back that far, it was quite an airline. I, re- I remember flying uh, Midwest Express from Atlanta up to Milwaukee and getting off the plane and having cheese curds for the first time in my life at the airport. <laughs> Oh, what a wonderful! I bet you still have sweet dreams about that. You, you know what? Are the, I did, <laughs> and you know, I thought when I saw you guys in New York, you reminded me that a squeaky cheese curd is a fresh one. That's right. And I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. If it don't squeak, it ain't legit. So. One of the things that, that, that we can take advantage of here in the Midwest and just about everywhere else in the country is transoceanic fares that are just super low. They just seem to be getting lower and lower. Obviously, there's yeah. got to be a floor. I mean, when is this all going to end? That's a good question. Um, you know, all this came about when uh, uh, Norwegian Air and WOW Air started uh, flying from uh, Scandinavia and, and Northern Europe over uh, to the U.S. at, at you know, super low prices. And, I mean, it's really kind of, no one really took them very seriously at first, but they continue to expand. They obviously have grabbed a big part of the market. And the reason that we know that is because IAG, which is the parent company of British Airways and Iberia and some other European carriers, has uh, mounted a huge effort to, uh, to, to counteract you know, the, the success that these low fare upstarts have had. So they just launched a new airline last week called Level out of Barcelona. And um, in one of our most popular travel skills posts last week, they were they were promoting fares of $150 each way between Barcelona and San Francisco or uh, Los Angeles. Wow. That, um, that, is a, that is appealing to a lot of people, especially you know, in springtime when you want to go to Spain, uh, it's inexpensive for summer travel. So, you know, you ask me, when is it going to end? And typically the way, uh, you know, having watched a lot of low-fare carriers come and go in the U.S. market, um, you know, I'm worried that when the big guys come in and they have, you know, the marketing muscle behind them and, most importantly, their frequent flyer programs behind them, that they can uh, push some of these uh, smaller carriers out of the market. So. Uh, you know, if you want to know when it's going to end, it's when, you know, w- one of these upstarts uh, is unable to, you know, fight the good fight against the major airlines and their frequent flyer programs and, and goes out of business. But, you know, that's that's one of the key things that uh, that British Airways and, and IAG has in its back pocket is that for those uh, level flights, they are giving away obvious the frequent flyer miles, um, uh that are very popular with Europeans. So I, I think that if, if a European is considering coming to America on an inexpensive ticket, they're likely they're more likely to fly even because they know they're going to get those obvious points. You can't get those when flying Norwegian Air or Wow Air. Well, and I don't know if you're, you're of a certain age where you remember Freddie Laker and Laker Airlines back in the, I think it was the 70s or 80s, who really you know, was a little too soon to the dance with the whole idea of very low-cost transoceanic flights. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, that's one example, one of the many examples of, of low-fare carriers that have come in, 
scooped up market share, but then they, they're unable to uh, raise their prices to a point where they can actually make money. So I, I, I don't think that many of these airlines with $150 fares are actually making money. They're, they're hoping to make money eventually once they get that market share. But, you know, over the long run, um, you know, they, they tend to, uh, to run out of cash, especially when they go up against uh, major carriers that have huge, uh, you know, deep pockets and big marketing budgets. Super interesting. Um, now we're going to toss you an easy, an easy fun one. Uh, how's the summer shaping up travel-wise, both domestically and internationally? Yeah, well, you know, um, as I said, I, I think we talked about this when I was in New York. Um, I work closely with uh, Best Western, and I talk to their CEO, David Kong, periodically about travel trends and what's happening. And he says all you have to do, if you're wondering what's going to happen in travel, is to look at the stock market. And looking at the stock market since the beginning of the year, it's done very, very well. So I expect that we're going to have, uh, you know, a busy, probably record-setting spring season, and that's going to extend into the summer because when people feel confident about their economic situation, they're they're much more likely to travel. So you know, we could see uh, record-setting uh, record-setting numbers this summer, and you know, that, and that's a combination of people feeling good about their economic situation and and low fares. You know, with the, the with with all this transatlantic competition, people are jumping to go to Europe. Um, it's inexpensive to travel in the US. Uh, you know, gas prices, even though they have gas prices have gone up about fifty cents per gallon since this time last year when they were at record lows. But even with that fifty cent increase, it's still gasoline is, is relatively inexpensive across the country. So people are planning on taking driving vacations. Um, I think it's going to be a you know a, a really big and and crowded summer. So my advice there is that if you do have your heart set on a specific location, um, uh, traveling on specific days on specific airlines that you want specific seats, you need to go ahead and make those reservations now because otherwise you're just going to be you're going to kind of end up having to take what I call the dog flights, which are the you know the, the red eyes or the you know very very first flight of the morning that nobody really wants to be on or the one that's really really late at night that's likely to be delayed um you're not going to be able to sit with your family uh it's going you might not get the rental car that you want if you're you know you really have to have that minivan when you land in orlando you need to get that reserved now um because you know just because of the demand that i think we're going to see this summer if you have specific wants you need to make those reservations now and not wait around so one of the stories, uh, you know, there were a couple, you mentioned the, the electronics band. Another story that kind of hit the wire this week that uh, I found kind of interesting was it was a trend story saying that meals on planes are coming back even for economy travelers. Is this a true real thing or is this just a case of uh, the media kind of uh, grabbing onto a part of a story and running with it? Uh, well, you know, in-flight food always does well in the media. So if there's a story about in-flight food, people are going to write about it because it's going to get a lot of clicks. Um, I, I think that what you're talking about are these uh, stories about the transcontinental flight. So it's primarily, with, you know, between New York, the Northeast, and California, where there is competition among uh, the big three carriers, Delta, American, and United. And all. Well, I know that, that uh, American and Delta have come out and said that they're going to be offering 
uh, free food in economy class on those flights. And free food doesn't mean like a hot meal. It means a box with a wrap in it with an apple and some chips or something like that. It's not not a, not a return to the good old days when you had a choice of uh, you know beef or chicken uh, and a hot meal if, if you're going to be handed a box. But it will be free. So a lot of people like that. Um, and you know, it, and, and, but I think it's primarily restricted to uh, routes where there is. Uh, true competition among uh, among the major carriers. I know a lot of my readers in Atlanta don't like the fact that Delta, which is offering free food on the flights between New York and California, don't offer it on flights between Atlanta and California because there's very little competition on that route, and Delta doesn't see the need to have to do that in order to get passengers. Wow. Well, and, and I'm sure you, you've consumed a lot of in-flight calories. Uh <laughs> You know, are, are there any meals that stick out to you that you consumed on a plane that make you think, wow, that, that was really exceptional? Um, well, luckily, as, as part of my job as a uh, business travel writer and business travel blogger, I get to, you know, fly around in business class frequently. And uh, the airlines have really gone out of their way to improve uh, the in-flight dining experience. And probably the most memorable one uh, – was probably also the weirdest one, um, was recently I was asked by uh, Singapore Airlines to fly from San Francisco to Singapore. Uh, it was a couple years ago, uh, and the flight was uh, uh, coincided with Chinese New Year. And in Asia, there's all sorts of uh, culinary traditions that happen around Chinese New Year, just like we have culinary traditions that happen around Christmas. So there's all kinds of wild and wonderful dishes that they served uh, on that flight that, you know, I had never seen before. So I got to taste a lot of interesting things like um, the most weird was that it was a cold aloe vera soup with kidney beans, <laughs> so. okay. which was a little, a little slimy and a little funny, but I ate it and, it, and, and it was, uh, it's interesting, you know, it was, it was good. And what I really like about having a nice long meal service on an international flight like that is that it, it helps pass the time. Um, sure. You know, a, a nice two or three hour meal service can, can really help make a, a, a flight feel a lot shorter. And plus I'm a kind of a freak about taking pictures of my food in flight. And when they do a really good job of uh, making the dish beautiful and the lighting is good, um, I'll, I'll do, you know, whole blog posts on, just the in-flight food. I did that uh, when I flew on Aer Lingus to Dublin uh, last year and uh, had some of the best in-flight food I, I've ever had and uh, did a big post about that. So it's kind of fun. Helps pass the time. Yeah, we're in full agreement. We're foodies around this table. <laughs> we're in agreement with you. Um, last question for you, Chris. Uh, the In the past few days, I think even uh, after we had scheduled this interview with you, um, the latest big story in travel is, of course, the electronics ban, uh, which is targeting a few Middle Eastern countries and their airlines. Um, there's also talk that it's, you know, kind of, uh, there might be underlying uh, circumstances surrounding that. So we were just wondering if we could get your take on that. Yeah, well, you know, there, I, I, there, there are two sides to that story. I mean, one is, of course, everyone wants travel to be safe uh, if, if there is indeed a legitimate threat um, that has been identified, you know, that people are, or that there has, you know, there's intelligence that shows that 
there's a move afoot to you know put a bomb inside a laptop, then by all means, you know, we need to be as safe as possible. But the other side of that is, uh, you know, with the with the current administration, we ne- we never really know exactly what the intentions are. So a lot of folks think that this could be a you know, kind of America first retaliatory move against the big uh, three Middle Eastern carriers uh, by the Trump administration as a way to, you know, put America first and and, and give uh, a little bit more uh, business to U.S. carriers, which is what travelers are going to use if they uh, if they can't if they can't uh, have their electronics on board, uh, you know, when they're flying on Emirates or uh, And it's interesting, too, because I had read that the bases, the cities that those airplanes fly out of their hubs are actually some of the safest airports in the world. So uh, it makes little sense uh, on our end. Yeah. Yeah. And what else is interesting is that no U.S. carriers fly out of any of the the, the, the big three uh, Mideast hubs. you know they, they used to, but they don't anymore. So the so the ban applies only to uh, you know the airlines that are flying nonstop out of those hubs, which are Qatar Airways, Etihad, and and Emirates mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, and of course from a consumer standpoint, um, I, it's oftentimes true that the airlines won't cover your computers and electronics if they're damaged or stolen or lost in your tech bag, so uh, maybe that's it might right. be a plug that, for travel insurance there. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that, that is indeed one of the, one of the, you know, hardest nuts to crack about this is that airlines are forced to tell passengers to check their baggage when in their contracts of carriage they specifically deny any liability for, for those items, and, you know, I mean, I've been giving out travel tips for 30 years now. One of the most important things that you can ever tell people is don't check valuables in your carry-on luggage, stuff with electronic, jewelry, cameras, anything like that uh, in your luggage because the airlines specifically pass on, on, on liability on, on, those, on those items. And there are lots of uh, situations where those items do get stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear stories, I mean, my brother-in-law, flew out to San Francisco to visit us with a brand new camera and he packed it in his bag for some odd reason and it got to the house and opened his bag and the camera was gone. Hmm. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah. Uh, I think the airlines are going to have to step in and offer some sort of coverage to passengers uh, forced to check their you know valuable electronic equipment or their cameras or anything else. Mm-hmm. Definitely interesting times in travel, and I'm sure next time we speak to you, Chris, we'll have a lot more to talk about. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, of course, check out that blog. It is. It is TravelSkills.com. You you should also check out the Travel Skills Twitter chats, which take place every Friday, featuring uh, Chris and Johnny Jett, and they're always a source of, of great travel talk. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun. We'll do it again, Chris. Thanks again. Chris McGinnis from Travel Skills. So thank you so much, Chris. As usual, a lot of fun. Uh, and we learned a lot as usual. So please check out the blog and uh, make it part of your daily schedule of news that you check out. Uh, you'll learn a lot and you'll enjoy yourself while doing it. You know, I forgot to ask Chris one, one really important question. 
and that's how his guitar playings come along. Because uh, I loaned him one of one of the dearest items of my my young guitar playing days, which was my John Denver songbook. So, Chris, if you're out there listening, and I know you are, I, I hope you're ma- you've made it all the way through Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> Send us a clip. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, a lot of exciting stuff, and I mean, you know, like a, a lot of a lot of tension out there in the world. Mm-hmm. I know today there was an incident in London um, that we're not going to cover because it's so fresh, and um, it just seems like uh, a lot of things up in the air for 2017 when it comes to travel. But we will be here to help you weed through it, and of course, uh, visit travelskills.com. And we'll be here to protect those trips, right? You know, and and I think. All these things that we're talking about more than ever bring up the importance of having good travel protection. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also brings up something else that really caught my eye that came this week. There is a trade organization called the World Travel and Tourism Council, and they do a lot of research and on travel and travel trends. And they just came out with a big report that looks at kind of the economic impact of travel. And one of the things that they found was that um, Americans plan on taking a lot more foreign trips this year. And, you know, Chris kind of touched on that. It's something we've talked about a long time. Their number is 5.4% in 2017, which kind of jibes with some of the things that we found in in compiling the state of travel insurance. So um, it's a pretty solid number. Now, on the other hand, what would you think is happening with foreigners who want to come to the U.S.? Well, uh anecdotally from the New York Times travel show, we uh, did find out uh, some research that says that it's going to decrease and could be quite a bit of a decrease. Yeah. um, Again, this report from the WTTC really focused on the economic impact. And what they found is that there's going to be about $1.2 billion that isn't going to be coming into the U.S. economy in 2017 from foreign tourists. And, you know, that's that's a sizable chunk of change. It is, and it's a, it's large businesses like hotels, airlines. It's small businesses like B&Bs, restaurants. You know, that there will be a trickle-down effect to that. So I guess all we can do as consumers and uh, as travel professionals is just kind of wait and see what happens. And, and you know, I, a lot of people are quick to say, well, there are political undertones here. And, and, and there, there might be a few, but it's really more having to do with strong currency, high mm-hmm. gasoline prices. Uh, high airfares to the U.S. from other countries. It's those kinds of things which are, are more part of the general travel dynamic that is helping to hold down travel to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep our eye to that and let you guys know what we find. And as always, if you have any questions about travel insurance, how to protect your trip, or you want to fill us in on what you see on the road, you can get a hold of us socially in many, many ways. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at BHTP, and we're always entertaining over on Twitter. We, mm-hmm. we have a blast and if you uh stop in at the travel skills twitter chats you'll find bhtp in there making snide remarks on a fairly regular basis uh we're also on facebook you can find us on instagram uh occasionally we're even on pinterest and of course how could we forget blog.bhtp.com <laughs> that is right and uh, we do have a twitter uh chat coming up don't we yeah actually uh First week of May, first Friday of May, we'll be uh, Twitter chatting with Johnny Jett and uh, Chris McGinnis, and we'll be talking, not only will we be talking about our new products, but we'll be talking about something near and dear to my heart, 
considering how old I am, and that's bucket list travel. <laughs> so t- stay tuned for that. We'll be sure to um, put some feelers out on Twitter a little bit closer. Are we giving any prizes away for that? Uh, we'll see what we can come up with. Maybe maybe a bag tag or, so, or, or something opulent like that. <laughs> okay. Speaking, we'll see. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, you're headed out on the road, right? I am. Next week, um, BHCP will be at the Home Base Travel Agent Forum in Las Vegas. Um, if you're going to be joining there, uh, stop by Booth 700 uh, to meet myself and my colleague Dan Francis, and we can answer all your questions about everything travel insurance, including those new products that we were talking about earlier. And you'll recognize Lisa. She'll be the tall one. And I'll be the one that's always laughing. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Never saw that coming. All right. Um, so have a great time. It, Las Thank Vegas, you. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at the Paris. So okay. Have yeah. you ever been to the... I have not. So okay. I'll let you know how great that was when I get back. Um, and then later on, I mean, if you want to do the full roundup, we will be at... Uh, We'll be at Ultra in Washington, D.C. in May. Uh, then comes uh, the TTX Sabre uh, Technology Travel Show, and that's also in Las Vegas in June, and GBTA in Boston in July. So we'll be on the road quite a bit, and you'll see us out in about. Wow, Vegas. Two times Vegas. <laughs> yeah. You looking forward to that? Oh, Vegas in June? Yeah, that sounds... Perfect. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, don't leave your cheese curds out in the sun there. <laughs> All right, and with that, I think we're, I think we're done. I really do think yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> so until next time, I am Kit Kiefer. And I'm Lisa Belvin. And this is BHTP Connections. Safe travels, everybody. Yeah.